The following is a paid program. The views expressed are not necessarily those of the management or ownership of Score North, KSTP AM 1500. The following is a presentation of financial crisis recovery. Foreclosure, short sales, bankruptcy, credit card debt, job loss, depreciating home values, money management. Peace of mind when it comes to your finances seems completely out of reach under current conditions, but there is a way to achieve it. For the next 60 minutes, you're going to find out how to cover your assets. Cover your assets. Now, here's nationally renowned speaker and expert on getting you on the path to financial strength, Todd Rooker. Good morning, everybody. I can't hear myself. Yeah, those headphones are out of work. Okay. Don't worry about it. Just do it without them. Oh. <laughs> Todd's been thrown for Good a Good morning, loop. everybody. He was he was really enjoying our guest from the last show and connecting with her. Yeah, why don't you just move over to the next one? Okay. So, yeah. Uh, Todd, how has your week been? <laughs> My week has been very good. Good. It's been very good. How about your week, Evan? Oh, you know, not so bad. I've been continually frustrated by the fact that spring keeps having these false starts, but today is supposedly going to be a fantastic, beautiful day. All right. How about this? Can you guys hear me now? Yes. Can you hear me now? Can you yes, hear me now? I can. All right. Yeah, no, I had a great week. Um, I had a really busy week, but that's not unique. Um, you know... I was listening to Jason and Mike, and they were talking about, you know, is this still a good time to buy? And I thought that was interesting because I relate that to, is it a good time to buy investment real estate? And I think maybe for some people that becomes an even more pressing question because, you know, the notion of investment real estate is that you're going to actually make money. And, you know, people are seeing that the market is so high. Uh, in terms of pricing. And so as a result, they believe this is not the best time and they should be waiting till the prices come down. Um, I think that's interesting um, because it depends on where you're coming at the so-called investment real estate world. So today's show is going to be discussing the dramatic difference when purchasing an investment property versus a home that you live in. Because It is a considerable difference, and I think most people think it's just a a variation and essentially the same thing, and I would have to disagree with that in so much as there's so many other things to consider that you might not with the home that you live in. Uh, The home that you live in, of course, is a place that you will raise your family or make your memories And it's all about location and it's all about life and fulfillment and all of those things. And I, and I don't disagree with that. But when it comes to an investment property, you have to go right back to the traditional way 
of vetting uh, things and start with the notion that an asset makes me money and a liability costs me money. And so if you think about that, even if your home is paid off, something that people desperately desire, or at least seems to be a lot of people do, desperately desire to pay their home off and have no mortgage. Well, even then, your home is still a liability because you still have ongoing increases in property taxes, in insurance, in maintenance. That means the things you got to pay to have other people maybe do those you know, plumber, electrician, what have you, as well as the things that invariably are going to go out, things we're going to talk about in here, and those are the long-term costs of ownership. Because the reality is that when you look at any fixture, I don't care what it is, every feature of that of that property, of not the property rather, but the structure itself, has a reasonable life cycle that you can essentially depend upon or at least very closely uh, assume. And I don't know uh, if they build the same level of planned obsolescence into these things that they do, let's say, with cars. You know, if you've seen on TV, you know, where at the dealership, at the the, uh, place where they produce the cars, they've got a machine that opens and closes the door over and over again. And they know pretty much uh, exactly when your hinges are going to fail and break. That's planned obsolescence, and and uh, you know many industries for decades have been building that obsolescence in so that they know when you're basically paid off, then here's how long it's going to last before it's going to cost you more to maintain it than it will to buy a new one, and that's how they get you to continue to buy new and and uh, and make money on repair and replacement. Well, when you own an investment property, you have to be very conscious of these things. And when it comes to uh, the home that you live in, I'll submit that most people don't even give it a second thought. It's not even on their radar screen. Well, it better be when it comes to an investment property. So even when I have my home completely paid off, I still have all of these things that are going to come at me. So when everybody tells you that the home is the best investment that you can make, that being the home that you live in, I thoroughly disagree with that, even though you've heard it 10,000 times in your life. And maybe some of that is promulgated by the res, uh, real estate industry to begin with. And look, they're in that business. I'm not going to beat them up. That's how they make their, their money and make their living. But at the end of the day, if you want to compare the ownership of a home and the same amount of money going to a legitimate investment, I don't I don't agree that the home is the best investment, but we do need a place to live, don't we? So whether you're going to buy a property, live in it, or you're going to rent a property, live in it, one way or another, you're going to have expenses. So that is what it is. I, I get it. But in terms of it being a great investment, it is going to be a liability for the rest of your life. That's just the way it is. So to to count that in your assets, and you know when you fill out a uh, a balance sheet that is basically a personal financial statement known as PFS, when you do that, your home, its value, and then subtracted from its liability, if you have a mortgage, if you have an outstanding loan against it, that's going to tell you what your equity position is, and that will be included in your total net worth when filling out a personal financial statement. I'm aware of that. But I'm going to tell you this, folks, when you consider your own uh, net worth, when you fill out your own personal financial statement for your own knowledge and benefit, leave your house off of it. 
leave it out altogether because it really isn't something that you're going to be using to create asset value. And then maybe at some point in your life, you're going to use it to live on unless we go into some variations on, on themes of reverse mortgages or, or renting it and things like that, which may or may not be of value. And as I explain how you vet those properties, that'll help you understand whether or not your home today or in the future will be a good investment property. Too many people believe that when you pay the mortgage off, then it's going to be a great rental property. Well, that's another thing I disagree with, because if it isn't straight up with 20% down a good investment property, you paying it off simply means that, yeah, you're getting more rent than what you're paying. That's great. But that money could be deployed elsewhere and making way more money in a property or an investment where it does uh, successfully justify the cost. In other words, great, you've got a $500,000 house and you're renting it out for twenty seven fifty a month. Okay, $500,000 by my way of thinking. Immediately, I have a one-to-one equation. And I say that if it's $500,000 or $300,000 or $100,000, whatever the number is, I drop off the last two numbers in that amount that it's valued at today. So if $300,000, that means last two numbers, $3,000 remain. And if I can't get market rents of $3,000 per month, I'm not interested. That alone eliminates the vast majority of people's so-called homes that they've paid off and now they're going to rent out because when you do that, the numbers don't work. But to them, hey, I own it and so my money will make me money. Well, I hate to tell you folks, but you're all weaned on security and low returns. And so if you want that, maybe it beats the alternative. And in every investment decision you make, most often, you're not going to be looking at what the best investment is, but you're going to be looking at what the alternative is, which is to say, what would I do instead with the same amount of money? So maybe in those instances, it might not be terrible. But in true investment strategy, it's a very different thing. So if the goal is to grow your net worth, And that really should be the goal. All too often I hear people talking about, I want to buy real estate because I want to create passive income. What does that mean, passive income? Well, it means I want to retire early, Todd. Exactly. You know, I swear I was good. Thank you very much. Uh, Yeah, I I hear that a lot too. And what a. What I hear is people who don't have a lot of experience running real estate. That's right. Because the idea of passive income, to me, sounds like you think, oh, it's easy. I just have these houses, and people pay the rent, and nothing ever goes wrong. I never have a bad renter. <laughs> toilet never breaks. You know, it's all it's all hunky-dory. It's great. I just I just make money. I own these eight houses, and I'm, I'm fine. And it's like... I put, yeah, the, if I put day, the rats in the cage, they all run around and make me money, and everything's great, yeah, right? It's, it's just that simple. And I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I think that to some degree, there is merit in the idea that being a mid-level landlord is easier than many gigs that make the similar type of money. But make no mistake, it is a job. And if you are not working it yourself, you are paying someone else to work it for you, and all of a sudden that rate of return plummets. Well, and that's a lot of people, Evan, who think that they're making money when in fact they're doing work in their investment property because they don't have management. And that very same time could be spent in in their profession or their job and very likely be making more money per hour than what they're making managing their property. So it kind of begs the question, is that even a good use of your time? Right, exactly. And that's just it. Is It's like, if that's what you want to be doing, 
Um, it may be less work than what you're doing now, and you may be happy with the money you make there, but then you're not talking about your ultimate investment strategy. Right. You're talking about a career transition to being your own boss <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And that, that has merit too, but that's, you're talking, it's a different conversation than I want to grow this in the, you know, most efficient way possible. I want to have these assets and so on. It's, it's just saying, you know, I don't want to work for, you know, I don't know, Cargill or, or 3M or whatever. I don't want to be an employee anymore. I want to own my own business. I want to be a landlord. That's fine. That's that's a choice. But if you're not putting in the work yourself, boy, is that ever going to cut into your bottom line? Well, you know the the what you just described is what is most common for people when they think about investment real estate. That is exactly what they what they think. The, the sad thing is how many people are doing work that they really don't enjoy, and they yearn for doing something anything else other than what they're doing. And so to a lot of people, the idea of being a, you know, handyman around their own investment properties and managing themselves, that to them seems attractive. Now, I will tell you that once you start doing that in a relative short order, it doesn't look so attractive anymore. Some of it is great. Yeah, some of it is okay. It's just awful. Well, you know, and and that's, you know, and that's just it. That's just it. It it, it is a job. So remember that our goal with 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 creating wealth and and again, net worth, net worth assets minus liabilities equals. Here's my financial standing in the world. That's how you look at yourself. You don't look at yourself as the income that you earn because earned income is not wealth. Earned income will only be wealth to the extent that you don't spend the money on your lifestyle and have it left over. And I don't mean for six months until you buy something else. I mean, what is your net worth and how is it growing and at what rate and what will the trajectory be in five years, 10 years, 20 years? Real assets, stocks, et cetera. Exactly. Not your new car, right. et cetera. Yeah. Not your new boat, not not your lake cabin, none of those things. And And, and I should make this point. If you heard me say that a home is not a good investment, <laughs> what do you think that makes your lake cabin? It's worse. It's worse. But, but it's a VRBO, Todd. Yeah, I well, rent then, it out for maybe three weeks a year, and then I call it a business thing. So, so when people do that, this is I could go on with this for hours. I have so many people who who are not interested. Or maybe I won't say not interested. Are, are are just don't do investment property, but they're all about a VRBO, you know, because it's in Florida or it's in Brainerd or wherever it is that they have it. And here's the reality: they're really not interested in growing net worth. And and this look, it drives me nuts because people are brain dead because the, the reason they don't want to build net worth is because they don't believe they can. Nobody else they know does it. Their parents didn't do it. Their friends, their family, their co-workers, and they don't believe they can do it. So they don't even, their minds don't even venture into that area. But a lake cabin, that makes sense. All right, well, when we go to VRBO, really what people are thinking is that they want other people to buy them a lake cabin. I mean, that's kind of what it is. I mean, when you put it that way, it sounds pretty good. Well, see, right, right. And Todd, here, can I get other people to buy me a lake cabin? And that's, that is the premise. Well, many times people are buying this property and the notion is that the VRBO is going vacation rental or Airbnb. If you've heard these terms, just to make certain we have clarity here. Um, the, the reality is that, that, that a lot of people think 
that that's going to be a property they're going to live in or retire in at some point. I got news for you, folks. People who come in with short-term rentals wreck everything, period. The cost to keep and maintain those properties is astronomical when compared with most straight-up rental properties. Now, that doesn't make it not a good thing because you make the revenue to justify it and still make money on top of it. But if you believe that you're going to move there when you retire, just get ready for this. You are going to have to gut that place and completely redo it to make it a home that you want to live in at that point. And the other point is, that when many people own investment property, they don't calculate the cost of owning and holding a property over a period of time. And that's why I love when I find out that I am, I, there's a property on the market that has, that is a rental right now. And I find out that the person who is, who is owner of that property is in their seventies or eighties because I immediately think or know, I think this one, these people are living on the income. They need the income to live. They be, they have ju- adjusted their life to the point where those rents that they're receiving are a part of the cost of supporting their life, which means, one, they are not maintaining the property properly and there's deferred maintenance. If I want to buy that property, perfect. I love that. It gives me an opportunity. Next thing is they haven't raised the market rents because they're so afraid of losing the tenant and losing that monthly income. So that is a very poorly managed property or asset, as we call it in the investment world. Well, that's perfect. That's perfect. And is that characterize most people. You bet your rear end it does. That's exactly how they handle it. So they don't take into account the cost of managing and maintaining that property over a long period of time. And when those major expenses come, it's like the car that they can't afford. They fix just enough to keep the engine running and keep it on the road, but the things that they don't fix cause other things to go bad more quickly as a result. We're going to be right back, and we're going to continue to talk about the vast or dramatic difference between purchasing and investment property and the home that you live in. I hope you're enjoying this. We'll be right back. Great Waters Financial specializes in helping you retire comfortably. When it comes to seeking retirement guidance, you don't need a salesman. You need an ally. Great Waters Financial doesn't have a hidden agenda. Their professionals at Great Waters Financial focus on what matters, your financial peace. Start planning for your future now and make your money work for you. Great Waters Financial is the official financial planning service of Cover Your Assets. For more information, call 612-360-2127 or go to greatwatersfinancial.com. Does your sump pump run constantly? Do you want to ensure that you never have a damp, musty-smelling basement? These issues are caused by water coming off your roof, draining into your basement. Gutters can resolve these problems. William Foss is the owner of Seamless Solutions. He is honest and trustworthy. He is simply the best. If you need gutters or leaf covers, he is the guy to call. You can call him at 612-834-0664 or go to his website, SeamlessSolutionsMN.com. Are you looking for a bank that supports entrepreneurs? If you're searching for a bank to grow with you and your business, I would like to welcome you to our village. I am Alicia Webb, President and Vice Chair of Village Bank. I am also a villager. Village Bank is an entrepreneur's bank, built by an entrepreneur for entrepreneurs. As a community bank, we are here to help businesses grow and make our community strong. If you want a bank that understands what it takes to build something special and puts relationships first, 
connect with us. Follow us on Facebook and LinkedIn or visit us online at villagebankonline.bank. Again, that's villagebankonline.bank. It takes a village to accomplish business goals. Be sure to tune in to cover your assets the last Saturday of every month in 2021 to fill your entrepreneurial cup of ambition and start your Saturday off right with your village. Village Bank. Fix Auto has been the collision repair leader in the Twin Cities for over 40 years. Hi, I'm Matt Feehan, second generation owner. Our mission at Fix Auto is to provide you with the simplest collision repair experience anywhere. If you're in an accident and you need help, my team is here and ready for you. You can find us on the web at fixautousa.com. That's fixautousa.com. We are Fix Auto, home of the wow experience. He can lift a bus straight over his head. He can fly around the world in seconds. And he has the power to regenerate entire limbs. Okay, so Jason Walgrave isn't actually a superhero. But once you visit his website to find out what he knows about real estate, you may start to think he's superhuman. That's because at JasonWalgrave.com, you'll find absolutely anything you need to know about real estate in the Twin Cities. Whether you're looking to buy or sell your home, check out JasonWalgrave.com, the number one place for all your real estate questions. Finding a good banker and CPA are like having a good doctor or mechanic. You cannot fully appreciate the value they represent until you're in a pinch and truly need them. However, that's not the time to go looking for one. Instead, you want to position and strategize well in advance for a favorable outcome. CPA Arliss Cleveland of Arliss Cleveland LTD is the CPA firm you've been looking for. As many of you already know, if you're looking for a great CPA, Arliss Cleveland gets my highest endorsement. Arliss Cleveland LTD has now formed a strategic relationship with Village Bank, conveniently located in the Village Bank building, located at 9298 Central Avenue North, Suite 412 Blaine, Minnesota. You can also find Arliss Cleveland LTD certified public accountants and consultants by going to accountingoffices.net or by simply calling 763-786-0639. That contact information again, accounting-offices.net or by simply calling 763-786-0639. You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. Welcome back, everybody. So, talking about the vast differences, and we want to talk uh, first, when I hear people say, I want to uh, build passive income, or I want to create passive income with real estate, you have to understand what that concept is about. Because passive income, as it relates to real estate, oftentimes comes from a term that we refer to as buying or purchasing an income stream, which presupposes that you have a chunk of money. In other words, you're not buying a property with, you know, five or 10% down. You're putting a substantial amount of money uh, into purchasing a property. And most often the notion is you're going to buy it with cash and have no mortgage. Then the notion is that you take that gross revenue, which is your annual rent roll. I'm giving you terms here to to acclimate you to the terminology that is typically used. You take that annual rent roll, you subtract out the expenses. Now, that's, whoa, there's a whole world around those expenses because when somebody tells me that they're making this much money, I'm immediately saying, just as Evan and I were talking uh, at the last segment here, what are those expenses? Because if you leave a whole bunch of those expenses out, then obviously your your cash flow 
that being your rent roll minus your expenses, are going to look a whole lot better. And it's real easy to look at things until they happen. Right. So I don't I don't build money into something. I just I just wait until something major goes wrong. And then all of a sudden, whammo. Golly. I mean, that's that's a piece of it. And going back to what we were talking about, too, is you can make your books look a lot better if you are not paying the salary for the maintenance. If you're doing it yourself and you're showing someone else the books and you say repairs and maintenance on my property or properties only cost me 10 grand in the last three years. Um, but what you're leaving off of there is it costs you ten grand because you're just it's parts. You didn't pay any labor costs because you did ninety nine percent of the work yourself. You had an electrician to come in and fix the one thing because uh, or be there for the inspection or, or whatever. Right, exactly. Yep, like yep. there's that little piece. You're bootstrapping but, everything. But for the most part, it's all you, and so your your maintenance and expenses look real low. And everyone else says, "Well, my maintenance and expenses over that same period were forty grand on similar properties. How do you do it?" And you just kind of shrug your shoulders and smile and say, "Well, I'm just that good." Right. Well. Or it's just a job for you, and the person looking in from the outside doesn't realize how much work that you're putting in. That that point right there. So for those of you who are inexperienced, don't have the savvy to look at these books. He's bringing up such a huge point. Why does somebody pay me 300 bucks an hour to look at this stuff? Because they don't know what they don't know. That's the, the reality. And you have a nice sounding voice. Come yeah, on. I have a nice sound. I have, I have just a, like I have, it when you talk. I have a them. face for radio. Yes, I do. <laughs> um, so the reality is that if, if, if those expenses are not there, it's ironic because you'll see listing agreements with investment properties. And they will show these numbers and they'll show a capitalization rate. And you don't even know what they're not showing. So as Evan said, the numbers will look really good. And because you're lacking in experience, you'll just go online and read enough to be dangerous. And you think because the capitalization rate or the gross rate multiplier is good, by virtue, obviously, this is a good investment. Well, what about if a whole bunch of those expenses are either not being fully appreciated in the numbers or they don't exist at all? Well, Well, and then there's this other piece to it, too, which is if you're looking at buying a piece of someone else's business they could have that economy of scale that you won't have you know if someone's running 30 properties economy of scale meaning that they get prices as a result of volume that you will not get so if somebody imagine who owned this property previously is a contractor in their day job exactly 30 homes a year and they're managing this property when they go to buy a water heater they don't pay what you pay and when they have subcontractors oh my gosh their subcontractors to fix it actually show up and and there's the other piece to it too is that they're big enough that maybe they have a staff guy that does all of their properties. Exactly. So their labor rate is relatively low because they just got a guy on salary that takes care of this, but it's one thirtieth of the salary per property. Properties all over the place are owned by property management firms. You know, maybe they manage a thousand doors right. and they own a hundred properties. Well, look, number one, the management of property costs them less because they own the freaking company. Number two, as Evans already said, they can keep all these subcontractors busy continuously so those subcontractors are beholden to them, offer them a better rate than they offer anybody else, and they can buy products and, and services across the board for less money than you can. So if you're looking at, you know, if, if this company is saying, well, we're going to sell our assets in Minneapolis, we don't want to be doing work in Minnesota anymore, we're too spread out, we've got, you know, Colorado and California. 
California and a bunch of other stuff. And so we're selling these properties in Minneapolis. And here are our books. And they, you know, they give you the labor numbers and the parts numbers. And you're like, wow, this looks great. But really, you're not going to be able to compete with those numbers unless you bought all of the Minnesota properties <laughs> and all the staff with you it. You still have to develop relationships with these people. And, yeah, and, then, that. and then, yeah, exactly. You have to navigate because that process everybody, of transition. Because every, every one of those people is looking at an opportunity to increase their prices to somebody who doesn't know what the heck they're doing. Not I mean, just who, who doesn't know what they're doing, but also, wow, you had all the cash to buy all these properties? Exactly. You must be pretty flush, so now I know I'm going to be able to go into this negotiation from a different position. <clears throat> these, are, these are all points that do not say don't buy investment real estate. Oh, no. Investment just, real estate is great. They just illustrate that there is a lot more than you think. And there is money to be made. Make no mistake. But you do have to understand this. So I'm going to bring up a point that I thought was really intriguing and relates directly to this. So I'm listening to NPR. Forgive me. I don't listen to NPR very often. I do. I love it. Oh, yeah, whatever. Okay, so my so my son is driving my car, and so he's listening to NPR. So there's a portrayal on me and my oldest son. But anyway, um, I turn on the radio, and I'm listening to them talking about uh, rental. And they bring up one point, which I thought was interesting, and that is that rental rates double about every 20 years. Well, isn't that interesting? If you build between 3 and 4% of appreciation, 3.5% we'll call it, well, that means that real estate values double every 20 years as well. So rental is a little bit behind, but it is meaning the properties go up faster than rental, rental rates uh, as a result of people being in leases that are one and two years. So it takes a little, it's a little behind, a little retarded, if you will, in terms of it's coming up to what the new value of real estate is. Nevertheless, they basically are mirroring one another. So I, I thought that was very intriguing. But then they've got a guy on there who is, uh, I'll just say, I suspect a lifetime renter. That is his mentality. That's who he is. I'm not trying to beat him up. And he comes on there and he says, these people who own real estate, landlords, they think that they should get more from us, the renters, than the mortgage payment. And I sat there and I thought, seriously, are people really that ignorant? I mean, really? Yes. I, I mean, the answer to your question is yes. Uh, listen, folks, not only do you need to get from your tenant in the form of rents, enough to pay your mortgage payment, but you need to have enough for the insurance, for the property taxes, for the lawn care, for the ongoing long-term maintenance, for management, uh, for the cost of your accounting, for your LLC that will hold your investment property, for the cost of your banking over the course of the year and years. All these costs have to be rolled into the total cost of ownership, and your goal is that the rents will pay every one of those things and still cash flow make you money on top of that. If it doesn't do that, it's not an in good, in a good investment property. So the idea that renters are oblivious to this or any of you, it blows my mind. It blows my mind. And here's the worst part. You got people out there buying so-called investment real estate properties who don't even know this. They're buying property and they're just trying to get enough money and rent to cover their mortgage payment. Well, let me tell you what. 
if the area that you live and the one-to-one equation doesn't work, then you need to find other properties elsewhere to buy where the numbers do work because most likely your area is not a good area for investment property. We'll talk more about that later. But that is a revelation. And the problem with all of that is that people who are buying investment properties are competing against those who just want to live there. So when you buy a single family property, as opposed to, you know, a duplex, a fourplex, a, uh, you know, four unit, eight unit, 20 unit apartment building. Well, the people who are competing against you in terms of bidding to buy that property are people who just want to live there, who could not care less about whether or not the financial metrics, the numbers, cap rate, RMG, cash flow numbers work at all. They just want to live there because they want to prove to everybody else, hey, how you doing financially, not to mention having their kids in the right school district and yada, yada, yada. They want they want the property for many of the same reasons you do. They just don't want it for the reasons, the financial reasons you do. Yeah. You're looking at it from that financial perspective and thinking it's in this school district, so it's going to be valuable for that for that purpose. You know, it's oh, it's a single family home. It's big enough for kids. So we're trying to attract families to this rental. So you're looking at the metrics in the marketplace and they're looking at the metrics in the marketplace as do I want to live here for the next five to ten years? Yes. And that's what you're competing against. Yes. And they're and they will overbid. Yeah, exactly. And they, will, because and they will buy these properties and pay more for them than you would pay to make the numbers work. And here's the worst news of all. Some of you inexperienced real estate investors will get involved in a situation with these people. There'll be five offers, 10 offers, 50 offers on a property. There will be a best and last offer on Friday at noon. And because you get emotionally involved, you will overbid to try to get the property and beat these people out. And by doing so, you eliminate all of the margin, that meaning the profit margin that existed before, that no longer exists, and you just made a terrible investment real estate purchase. Todd, it's the psychology of the buyer. It's all about that FOMO, fear of missing out. And hey, I've been looking for an investment property for months, Todd. This one is perfect. It's in it's in the Prior Lake School District. It's going to rent for this month. If I lose out on this, there might not be a next one. There you go. And it's the same thing that people do when buying a single-family home. And remember something. The real estate agent is trying to sell that home for their client, the homeowner, for as much money as possible. They could care less about whether or not your numbers work or not. And so you need to be smart to know that when it comes to a best and last, or any offer for that matter, it has to be dictated by your numbers before you make an offer. And I can't tell you the number of people who will call me up and say, hey, Todd, I found the property. I want your help. And I'll say, okay, great. Send me the numbers. Well, I don't have the numbers yet. And I'm just like, well, then what do we need? Why are we even talking? If you don't have the, and then the worst part is I've already written a purchase agreement. You don't even oh, know what no. the numbers are, and you've already written a purchase agreement? Are you serious? I'm going to make it work, Todd. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. It'll well, be fine. I will find a way to make it work, honey. Yeah. I mean, just nonsense. So, there, I, you know, I, I don't want to drag us too far afield here, but not every investment property has to be perfect. But you have to understand the math going in, right? You know, if, if one property is slightly more profitable than the other you know, these things happen. Not every property is going to match every metric down the line or whatever. But the idea of just going in blind and just saying, well, you know, I have an extra house. I've got this $100,000 burning a hole in my pocket, and I'm going to buy the next one that comes up that matches. It's this many square feet, and it's in this area. 
Uh, boy, there's a lot more to it than there's that. A, there's an adage when you buy your own home that real estate agents will tell you, and of course people never do it, and that is that you do not get emotionally involved. Right. Because you just simply look at the numbers and you try to step back as though you were, what, providing guidance to someone else. Let me tell you what. If you've ever talked to a first-time home buyer, that that's not the case. That, that, that doesn't work. Because the first work. thing they talk about... The first thing anyone talks about is how great the kitchen is. Right. Or, oh my God, it'll be so nice to have an attached garage. Absolutely. Or, you know, like it's any over. number of things. It's over. Then, you know, like it's any, over. If you describe the first thing you describe about your house is one of the features of the house yep. you have bought on emotion. So if that's true, and it is, Evan's 100% right. If that's true, you, you really can't do it with an investment property. Oh, gosh. Because this is all about making money. If we're not making money, what are we doing here? I mean, come on. So you've got to be smart. You've got to look at the numbers, and the numbers do dictate. And the house that you're enamored with, because it has this, and it's quaint, and it's that, and it's all those things. Remember something. You may love that as a home that you live in. But when it comes to an investment property, people who rent from you, there is an angst. There is an uh, 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 there is a rift between you and that property, uh, between you and that renter from the day you start because you own it and they don't. And deep down, they're angry about that. So they're going to wreck your stuff. So when you look at a property that you might love to live in, could be the worst property in the world to rent. You're looking for indestructible features. They may not be the most aesthetically pleasing fixtures, but those are the ones that you want because the crazy animals renting from you are going to wreck stuff. Sorry to characterize you renters and in yeah, that way. You know, yeah, exactly. Todd's, <laughs> Todd's exaggerating a little bit, but think about the last time that you went on a trip and rented a car and how you dr- drive and treat the rental car from, exactly. from Hertz or Enterprise. The vast majority of people are a lot more careless with right. rental cars because I bought the extra insurance. Exactly. I'm not worried about it. It's exactly the same way. It's not my car. And yep. this is also why I would recommend never buy a prior fleet use vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I mean like it, there's there is a lot to to that where it's like, you know, how often things break in a rental property even with I mean we're not saying renters are bad. They are not out to it literally just is. It Exactly. Just They're is. not going around the house with a crowbar and breaking your stuff and yelling or whatever. Well, sometimes they are. Okay, okay. Rarely that's the case. It's just they're going to be harder on the property because they're not thinking about, well, if I, you know, if I let this thing go. They don't care. You're rich. Exactly. Well, it's not even that you're rich. It's if the toilet breaks, that's the landlord's problem, not mine. Whereas with me living in my house, I think about if the toilet breaks, that's my you problem. Bought it. Yeah. You, yeah. And and it is and it is all about that. And and it is that. So, you know, when we consider the expenses, we've got to look at an investment property in a completely different light than we do with the house you live in. And we need to make sure that the numbers work before we even venture a guess on what we would offer. So let's take another break. We'll be right back talking about the vast difference between purchasing an investment property versus the home that you live in. We'll be right back. Hey, are you considering something exceptional to set your home apart and highlight its curb appeal? How about the rich look of custom copper gutters? Copper gutters are not only beautiful, they also offer timeless durability. William Foss with Gutter Solutions installed my beautiful copper gutters. I get compliments every day. If you're looking for extraordinary craftsmanship and would like to consider something truly special, call him at 612-834-0664 or go to their website, SeamlessSolutionsMN.com. Ask for Billy. 
I have trusted attorney Brian Aho for more than 10 years to work closely with me to resolve and eliminate debt for many of my personal and business clients. Aho Law Office is the go-to firm I choose because Brian has always been caring and compassionate with my clients, while tenaciously fighting to retain as much of their assets as possible while quickly eliminating their debt. Brian's extensive experience and knowledge of bankruptcy law and willingness to fight allow him to resolve challenges and cases that many attorneys won't. Don't let other attorneys learn on your dime. Rely on the experience of Aho Law Office to help you achieve relief from your creditors. Competent, compassionate legal advocates providing the clarity to protect tomorrow. For more information, call Brian and his staff at 612-271-4047 or email Brian directly at brian at office.com. Again, that number is 612-271-4047. Hi, I'm Kimberly Nibo with the Kimberly Nibo Insurance Agency, serving the community for over 27 years. People tend to be most concerned with price. That is, of course, until something goes wrong. Then the only thing they care about is their coverage. My experience enables me to uncover every available discount. I could save you up to 40% while still offering the proper coverage for the people you care about. Call today for a free review at 763-571-6111 or email me at kim at kimnibo.com. Hi, this is Troy Danner of Danner's Cabinet Shop. My family has been building custom cabinets and countertops for homes in Minnesota for over 50 years. We still make the cabinets the way my grandpa did when he founded our company. My team of skilled craftsmen pride themselves on attention to detail and making sure every element of your project goes perfectly. Give me a call at 763-753-4002 or visit us online at dannerscabinets.com. Oh, I'm hearing the smooth jazz again, and that means... Mike Overson here of Minnesota Home Talk. With today's housing market, buying a house is a competition. To win in a multiple offer situation, you have to work with a local lender who has the reputation of being 100% reliable. Come to the winning team. Get pre-approved for your loan by one of the top lenders in the nation, the Mike Overson Mortgage Team at Luminate Home Loans. We will help you win. Call me at 612-202-8321. That's Mike Overson at 612-202-8321 or go to applywithmike.com. Todd Rooker here to tell you about the most amazing jewelry store, Golden Treasures on 805 Grand Avenue in St. Paul. I've known the owner, Todd Gimble, for almost 20 years now, and at Golden Treasures, not only do you get more for less, it's the experience that you and your special person will feel when you walk in the door. Todd truly puts his heart and soul into creating your experience, regardless of how much money you spend. This is Todd's customer-for-life philosophy. Take it from me, there really is no other jewelry store. You can't go wrong with Golden Treasures in St. Paul. 651-227-2711. That's 651-227-2711. Finding a good banker and CPA are like having a good doctor or mechanic. You cannot fully appreciate the value they represent until you're in a pinch and truly need them. However, that's not the time to go looking for one. Instead, you want to position and strategize well in advance for a favorable outcome. CPA Arliss Cleveland of Arliss Cleveland LTD is the CPA firm you've been looking for. As many of you already know, if you're looking for a great CPA, Arliss Cleveland gets my highest endorsement. Arliss Cleveland LTD has now formed a strategic relationship with Village Bank, conveniently located in the Village Bank building, located at 9298 Central Avenue North, Suite 412 Blaine, Minnesota. You can also find Arliss Cleveland LTD certified public accountants and consultants by going to accountingoffices.net or by simply calling 763-786-0639. That contact information again, accounting-offices.net 
or by simply calling 763-786-0639. What are the first three letters in the word SMART? SMA. And SMA Exteriors and Restoration has made SMART affordable since 1994. As an LP SmartSide Master Level Siding Installer, a GAF Master Elite Roofing Installer, and as an expert in installing windows made in Minnesota, made for Minnesota, you're guaranteed to make the SMART choice. Call today for your free estimate. 877-SMA-TODAY or go online to sma2day.com You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. Welcome back, everybody. So, you know, I want to venture back to something. And that is the passive income that that people want to create. Again, I'm going to say... Are you in the increasing net worth stage, growing your assets, growing your net worth, or are you in the stage of the drawdown income where you need this income to live? Because they are very different things. Not unlike when you are uh, funding a qualified retirement account, like a 401k, 403b, SEP, Keo, Roth, IRA, what have you. Well, that when you're doing that, that presupposes that you are earning income in a day job, an occupation, a profession. And so you don't need that money. That money is being put into what we what we call equities, whether that be through mutual fund investing, that meaning that it is highly diversified amongst many, many different companies, stocks. Um, but when you're doing that, you have the ability to attempt to get the best rate of return because you don't need the money. You have a day job that supports the cost of your lifestyle. And so the ups and downs really don't affect you dramatically because the market goes up, the market comes down, the market goes down, the market comes up, and you've got a 30, 40 year trajectory before you're going to need the money. So throughout those years, you are in the accumulation stage. Very much the same with real estate. When you're in the drawdown stage, now you're going to take those dollars. You cannot deal with the ups and downs in the market because by doing it, it will diminish uh, your ability to come back from a down market because you're selling more shares to create more income to live on. And when the market does bounce back, now you don't have as many shares and you don't enjoy the, the benefit of the bounce in the market. So you need to get a smooth ride. You need to be able to have an income stream that is consistent and unaffected by these outside economic issues. Well, when you do that, your rate of return is going to diminish dramatically, but you really don't care because you need the money to live. You're not working anymore. This is this retirement thing that I rail on and just know I don't want to drift off and retire and prepare to die. Ha! Like most people dream of. Nevertheless, when you buy investment real estate, If you are in the accumulation stage, you are not going to buy that property with cash. Number one, you may be early in your investment career. You don't have the money to pay for it with cash. And the reality is when you use financing, that being lower cost financing, you are enjoying the leverage of making way more net worth. Not money necessarily. You're increasing your net worth much faster because remember, If the home goes up in value by 4% this year, and it's a $300,000 home, holy crap, that's $12,000 that that property went up. Wow. Well, guess what? 
if you buy the property for that number, well, then it's not so impressive anymore. But what if I only put 20% down on a $300,000 property? That's $60,000. And just with that one way of making money, increasing value. And remember, in the value increasing in your home, all throughout the value going up, you're paying property taxes, you're paying insurance, you're paying all of the maintenance, everything to be able to enjoy that benefit, you're paying for. With an investment property, assuming that you vet it properly, that means that the tenant's rent income is paying for every single one of those things, and it's not costing you a dime other than the money that you put down. Well, if it's 20%, that's $60,000. So in just that one way, internal rate of return or increasing equity increases in your property, you're making $12,000 against $60,000, not $300,000. That alone is dramatic. Then when you consider that throughout the time that you're making payments with the tenant's money, Surely a great portion is going towards interest, but you're paying down the balance on the loan. That's another way that you're making money that is costing you absolutely no money. Then add to the fact that you may be all expenses considered, be cash flowing, making money on top of it. You add those three together, and that represents a cash-on-cash return. Well, when you consider that cash-on-cash return... Often, when you have a 20% down or some smaller portion down in the property, you are gleaning tremendous leverage in so much as you've only got 20% into it, and you may be receiving a total cash-on-cash return that may be in the 25 35 45% rate. Oh, my goodness! Well, guess what? This is going to fly exactly against conventional wisdom. If you buy that property with cash, buy an income stream, your cash-on-cash return may very well decrease to 8, 10, 12. And that goes against everything you've probably been taught about real estate. So the reality is, yes, I could buy that one property with $300,000, but my return in terms of growing my net worth would be dramatically decreased. So wouldn't it make more sense to take the same 300000 assuming I have that much money, put 20% down, and in which case I can now buy five properties worth 300000 or $1.5 million, and now receive the same rate of return across the board on all of those properties? Because the leverage, the money that's being made, is not really so much in the cash flow as it is in the increasing value that someone else is paying for, and the balance is being paid down by somebody else. Wow, how many people who own investment real estate couldn't even explain what I just did to you? So when you consider what you're, how you're going to make money in real estate, you've got to understand where you're making your money and how you're going to make your money. So when you consider what are the things you must be conscious of uh, when vetting a property, obviously the PITI, principal interest taxes and insurance, but that's the easy one. You're always going to have somebody else manage the property. And even if you're not, you still build that number in. So once you figure out that it's not as much fun as you thought, you can immediately hire somebody else to do it. And then remember that management and maintenance are two completely separate expenditure categories. 
Management is simply taking the phone calls when the toilets plug up in the middle of the night. Maintenance is the work that actually has to be done, preferably by somebody else. So you got to have that. Then you've got the utilities, gas, electric, water, and sewer, garbage. And who will pay that? Will you pay that out of the gross lease that you have? They're paying you, you're paying it, or are they going to pay that separately? Who's going to handle the lawn and snow maintenance? Do you have vacancy? The notion that every two or three years when that property turns over, you're going to have to support the monthly payment of one to two months. And are you accumulating that much every month while they're paying? So when it happens, it's already built into your numbers, or are you going to now struggle to be able to make the payments? Hey, by the way, average real estate investor only lasts two years. Why? I just explained it, didn't I? Not to mention it's work. <laughs> it's not. It's not just those numbers. It's what the reality of those numbers because it's a job. That's right. And the person that gets into it thinking that it's a passive income stream and it just you, you just buy a property, it just prints money. They don't know what they're doing. They get out of it in two years in the same way that the 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 we were talking about this in the break. New restaurateurs, they have an insanely high failure rate, and it's the same thing. 90%. Oh, my God, this is hard work. The margins are tight if you're not doing a lot of work yourself. And then, and then, and then, Evan brought up the fact that franchises have an even greater failure rate. Significantly greater. Well, that's because there's another margin built in that you have to pay. And see, but everybody wants to walk on a well-heeled path thinking because they're all corporate, they speak 401k, they don't understand anything about business, even if they're an MBA. Well, here's here's the other thing about franchises, too. Not to drag us off wildly onto a tangent, but we as consumers don't perceive the failures of a franchise because that business is going to continue in another franchisee's hands. Right. So that McDonald's or or Burger Burger King is still there, even though it's actually changed franchisees five times in the last 10 years. Remember something about about franchises, folks. When a business wants to expand its business, they can use their own money, or maybe they can't get the financing, so instead they franchise, and now they have mental ownership of you, the new person who purchases that franchise, and now they're making a margin, which may actually be better than if they owned the business themselves, and you're doing it for them. That's what franchising really is. And this is this is what we're talking about when, when it's leverage. Well, listen, when it comes to real estate, though, Evan, that's essentially a contract for deed. Just yes. so you know. That's yes. basically contract for deed right there. So, I was going to say exactly those words, Todd. Yes. There, there are absolutely, quote-unquote, opportunities in the real estate space that have the same exact drawbacks. Because, hey, it's lower risk on you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Additionally, you've got costs of accounting and bank fees, and then you've got the long-term cost of major fixtures that will that will need to be repaired in a major expense way, or they will have to be replaced, and all of those have to be financially forecast within your revenue stream. So when you put all that stuff together, it immediately tells you how many amateurs who don't think they need any help, thank you very much, have no freaking idea what they're doing. And here's the worst news of all. They want free advice because they're cheap. They're bootstrapping everything. So they ask the real estate agent if this is a good investment. 
Listen, that's like asking a life insurance agent if you need life insurance. Yes, call I mean, me. Come on. <laughs> and and that doesn't make the real estate agent a bad person at all. Number one, 98% of real estate agents don't know anything about investment real estate, but they'll all tell you that they do. Here's what they know about it. They know how to sell investment real estate because that's the business they're in. Yeah, I've sold plenty, plenty of properties yeah. to investors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that doesn't tell you anything. It tells you nothing. Yeah. And again, doesn't make them bad. It just means you need to become educated and learned in this area if you're going to start walking into it. Now, with all of that, real estate as an investment, if you know what you're doing, is one of the best investments you will ever encounter. It can make you wealthy in a short period of time. There is virtually, in terms of volume, there is no other asset class that has more capacity to create net worth than real estate. Period. And so if you're an older person who has taken care of your kids, put them through college, and as a result, you have not had, you don't have any money saved for your own retirement or to create your own net worth, your own financial independence, can real estate help you overcome this challenge that you now have? The answer is a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Do you know what, do you need to know what you're doing? Of course you do. So. What do you think about that, Evan, as a synopsis to the show? I think that's a relatively accurate synopsis. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think the, the, the Spark Notes version of this episode, do the numbers, do the numbers, it's a job, <laughs> do, the, do numbers. the numbers. <laughs> because ultimately, if you're skipping over one of those two things, you're not doing the numbers and you're thinking you're buying your properties emotionally and you're not thinking of this as a like a, a full-time gig, this is your new job. You are going to run into a brick wall of reality after you make this transition. That's it. And, and, and folks, you know it's sad, but we are becoming a nation of renters. So you can join them and become another renter, not owning anything, or you can take advantage of that trend. Hopefully this was helpful in that regard. <laughs> well, Evan, thanks for being on. Thank you, Todd. See Have you next week. Have a great week, week everybody. Bye-bye. I'd like to talk with you about financial coaching. Traditional financial planners help you make decisions about stocks, bonds, and mutual funds with money you already have. That's great, but who helps you accumulate more money in the first place? Who helps you make day-by-day life decisions? Who isn't trying to sell you something? Like, should I go back to school? Am I wasting money on insurance? How to purchase and finance a car, boat, home, lake cabin, or investment property? How to start, manage, and sell a business? It's about making minor errors that become colossal mistakes and cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars over your lifetime. The problem is that you're so busy pursuing your career that you're forced to make critical financial decisions that have a dramatic long-term effect on your finances without adequate research or information. Rooker Financial Coaching is like having a personal CFO for every decision. Don't waste time lamenting the bad decisions of the past or money that's run through your fingertips. Stop procrastinating. Call Rooker Financial Coaching, 763-559-3800. That's 763-559-3800. Call me today, Todd Rooker, 763-559-3800. That's 763-559-3800. This has been a paid program. The views expressed are not necessarily those of the management or ownership of Score North, KSTP AM 1500.